and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast. Abiding Together is a place where you can find connection, rest, and encouragement on your journey with Jesus Christ. My name is Sister Miriam James Heitland, and every week I'm joined by two of my dearest friends, Michelle Bensinger and Heather Kim. This podcast is born out of our friendship of sharing all kinds of things together, our walk with Christ, our insights, our joys, sorrows, tears, and laughter, and you are most welcome on the journey with us. So grab a cup of coffee, settle in, and welcome home. Hello, and welcome to the Abiding Together podcast, and we are delighted to bring back one of our most famous, esteemed, and wonderful guests ever in the history of the world who was dropping one-liners last time that people were just going nuts over, but we're going to make you wait to see who that is. So, uh, <laughs> Heather, Heather Michelle, how Teaser. are we doing? How are we doing? I, I just, you know, here we are still in quarantine, so we're, we're working on homeschooling, well, you guys are, and all kinds of things. So... Um, Heather, how are we in the great Pacific, I guess, Northwest, Southwest up there? How are you doing? In Canada? Um, we are trying to be all things to all people in this house is what it feels like. Do tell. No, I mean, when you're having to, you know, do some homeschooling help and then do all the other things that you have to do in life. Yeah, it feels a little weird to, I think we're all having to learn some new skills right now during this time. One new skill I did finally learn, as I said I wanted to, is making bread. And I made some really good bread. I felt like... I don't know, like a like a domestic goddess, really. Actually, you well, we so, are. So, <laughs> so yeah, so we're gonna get a garden Seriously. going. You know, all those things. Things are things are good, despite mm-hmm. you know the difficulties. I mean, I feel like we're in an incredibly blessed situation right now, and just continuing to pray and you mm-hmm. know ask God for mm-hmm. healing of the world. Michelle, how are you? I am good. We are, yeah, like we're just making it, trucking along. Homeschooling is not my natural mode of operation, but I'm doing it. Yes, you are. Yes, I am. There's so just proud. One, uh-huh, there's just one certain child that just is not embracing the call of homeschooling. So, um, <laughs> and he's reaping havoc on the rest of us, but it is okay. But like, uh, I think we've all gone a little bit crazy, but a good kind of crazy. I woke up one morning. Divine Mercy Sunday to Chris, my husband, on the front porch with a Red Rider BB gun shooting squirrels that were attacking his peach trees. I'm like, oh, well, wow. no Divine Mercy for the squirrels, babe. Like, here we go. But he was We've like, become those people. We, we have are become now those, those people. people. Like, but he was like, they're attacking my peaches. Like, I'm like, okay, Farmer Fred, you know, and then he and Lily check our garden every single day. And so we have become one with the land. You know, we oh. are just pioneer people here, like pioneering mm-hmm. the coronavirus or mm-hmm. like what we like to call it the virus. And so, yeah. The virus. The virus. Sister, you had some heavy machinery out that you sent us I a did. photo of. Seriously. You're working on a garden. Seriously. You, you're next level with the gardening. Mm-hmm. Well, I am my mother's daughter. Yes, I officially okay, planted hold it. it. Hold I got it. The- no, like just tell them the text message thread. Hey guys, this is the text message thread. I sent them, look at my garden. It's this little bitty garden with a couple of things. And then Heather sends a text. Hey, well, my kids right now are planning out a garden right here. And then sister texts us with this heavy piece of machinery, like a tractor. Like a huge tractor. And we're like, okay, <laughs> she won. All right, totally. Like, I, love, yeah. I love power tools. I, think, I don't know if we said that last week. And my mom was like, oh, honey, I'm so proud of you. You got the power tiller out. I love you. You know, it's so great. Yes, girls, I that garden, I'll send that. 
that's going to be my one thing anyway. I will send pictures of that garden. And today, I finally finished it Friday before the 90-degree weather set in. And today, I must say, I saw the very first pole brain sprout come out of the earth. And Aww. I was like, I had to take, it's like having a kid. I'm like, oh, sweet sprout. Thing. So, yeah. <laughs> so here we are. We're about to bake in the Texas heat. But we got to garden in. It's all good. Yeah. We got to garden in. It is all good. So uh, we don't want to make our wonderful guest delay any longer who's... Just rocking the best mustache that I've seen in a really long time. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So, Heather, do you want to very graciously welcome back one of our favorite guests to the Abiding Together podcast? Back by popular demand, it is (laughs) Father Justin Brady, our dear friend. Welcome back. Yeah. Or my new name, Varen, Baron von Mustacha, right? Uh-huh. Seriously. <laughs> that's the best mustache Dude. you've ever had. Dude, are you going to post a picture of his mustache? Like, that's the first thing I noticed when I jumped on the call. It wasn't even the tube of your faces. It was just Father's mustache. <laughs> like, are we interviewing his mustache? Like, that's right. Yeah. We, are, we are only interviewing <laughs> Father Justin's mustache. The mustache will be talking the entire time we are recording. <laughs> I am a mustache. Oh, Love Jesus oh, now. So great. It's great oh. to have you with us. Hey, it Super is. fun. We were all just having a good old time before we started recording. It's like so nice to see other people's faces. It you know? is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is exciting. And it's great to be with you, to be basking in the light of your feminine glory. <laughs> I love it. It's great. How are you doing, Father, out there in Sun Valley, Idaho? How has the quarantine been for you and your parishioners and just navigating live stream masses? And just how has that been for you on the front line there? Well, we uh, we are one of those hot spots. I mean, we kind of even hit national news because Sun Valley being in this place, it's a, a resort area. We have a lot of travel in and out. We have a lot of people who work elsewhere and then come back. And so um, the latter part of February, I was in the Holy Land. So I was there right before all that even got shut down. And we came right back on Tuesday. Wednesday was Ash Wednesday, started that. And then that following Thursday, we were starting to look at the reality. We knew that we were going to be not having public masses. And so uh, like the last public mass was going to be Feast of St. Joseph. No, wait, we had Friday as well. And I remember we had not have it, the shelter. I, I'm confusing all this. It's been so, so much stuff. So let me get back to the story. So I was celebrating mass Thursday evening, Feast of St. Joseph. And just before we start, someone said, the governor just announced that we will be on shelter at home. And the first thing I thought was like the sheep. What about the sheep? What about the sheep? What about the sheep? Mm. Right. And the, I remember the mass, I had to keep bouncing from this place of, grasping at a type of relationship that was familiar with my people or access or, uh, a, you know, a connection to trusting in the authority of God. But there is a reality of like the sheep will suffer mm. and the shepherd will sh- suffer because we won't be together. So the initial part of that was, it's a bit difficult and it was changing daily. Like every day I'd make a plan. Okay. So we're not going to have mass, but we can have the church open. And I know we can do confessions with social distance this way. And then every time it just got locked down harder and harder before I could even implement the plan I made all day Mm. before every day, every day was shutting down and I was just getting frustrated, annoyed, um, and trying not to lose the reality of this is the lens that God wants me to have and that God wants us to have. So I don't want to rebel against this, but rather how am I to engage in this personally? How am I to engage in this as the shepherd for this community so that we don't lose the opportunity of relationship with Christ mm. into his passion, death, and resurrection? Mm. And so there's that, that part of my end of not 
focusing or obsessing on what has been removed versus looking at how am I to engage in the reality of Christ present. And that's led to some really beautiful lessons, some real beautiful lessons I've learned this in these weeks. There's a lot of people in various ways who are dealing with um, the virus itself. And then the other, some other deaths that just came from natural causes, age and stuff. And, but wow. yeah, in the midst of this, I mean, I hadn't had mass with anyone. I had a funeral and I don't mind funerals as a, as a priest. I'm pretty death accepting. Um, but even though it was, there were f- five other people in the, in the church, it was the most delightful gift to celebrate mass with mm. others. Yeah. yeah, that was nice. Yeah, and isn't that the heart? Yeah, that's the heart. That's the ache of the pastor, the ache of the bridegroom, you know? Certainly. Um, and I love, Father, I love what you're saying there of like, this is the lens through which God has us. And so what are we going to do? Like that you're famous for saying that, like, how will we respond now? You know, and that's what I really wanted to talk to you about and just hear your heart and just to share with all of our listeners. You know, last time when you were on your famous one liner of quit talking to the dang snake, that thing went viral. <laughs> and so people can, so, so many viral. people are commenting yeah. like, oh my gosh, there I found myself again, talking to the snake, right? Conversing with the snake, or like you were saying, you know, conversing in the darkness rather than standing in the light. And so so just in light of the Easter season, we just wanted to just to hear your heart and give people some practical tools of how they can live in the light of victory. And we talk about St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians uh, chapter 15, where he says, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And then later on, he'll say in Romans that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. So just, Father, you as a priest and just you as a work as an exorcist and kind of how you help people live from this place of victory, you know, what does this mean concretely for all of us in the situation where we find ourselves in the battles that we face every day? The work of God is always about communal. He seeks to bring us into relationship. He incorporates, like we become a member of a body. And the enemy is about isolating. Um, and he you know, seeks to kind of fracture relationships, fracture communal, and, and to isolate. And so understanding that piece of in all of this, is understanding victory is oftentimes – when we find ourselves beset by desolation, uh, despair, uh, it's because we're not living in that light of that relationship that's, um, that's of God. And we must always remember, I mean, Easter is the center point to understand who is this God. He's the God who's journeyed into the total depth of human suffering and defeat and subjected it to his authority and his victory. So when we say, where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? What, what are you going to do? What can you do against us when he who is the creator of all things says, I will subject all things under me? And then he asks, will you be in relationship with me as I love you and as I invite you? Uh, so a lot of these realities where our liberties or our uh, routines have been removed. The enemy always wants you to focus on what's not there versus what is there. Mm-hmm. And that's as I was, you know, I was shifting out my house and I took my fly fishing table with all my t- materials and took all that and put it away. And I made that into my altar. And I, I was experiencing such incredible communion with my, with the body of Christ universally and with my people just sitting there recognizing Christ, I'm in you, 
and you're in me. And therefore, as we're members in you, they're with me. And being able to pray very intimately and powerfully for my flock. Mm -hmm. So engaging in the reality of the objective power and authority of Christ that's there. Mm -hmm. This is how Jesus did this within his relationship with the Father and the Holy Spirit. And that's how he's engaging in relationship with us. And then he's being that we've been drawn into him. He's trying to draw us into that relationship. So a lot of that living in the victory is we have to stand in the objective truth of what God has done and not get isolated and start to obsess on the accusations of the enemy where he's putting us in, in an isolated corner. Mm-hmm. In, in the book of Romans, it talks about that we're baptized into the death of Christ. And it says we're placed into the tomb with him. And as Christ is brought back from death to life by the glorious power of the Father, so we too should live a new kind of life. If we've become united with him in a death like his, certainly we will also be united with him when we come back to life as he did. These are the truths. This scripture is our story. And I think that we often forget, all of us do, we forget our story. We forget the reality. It sometimes sounds like a fairy tale a little bit, and we don't know how this applies into our daily life. And this is what we wanted to break open a little bit for people, because the reality is that we can experience victory even now on this side of heaven, that we can live in the light of that victory even now, whereas many of us sort of even subconsciously think we have to wait until we get to heaven to experience anything like that. So, Father, I guess what I want to ask is, how do we live into this victory, specifically in the battles that we face every day? Because I I, I know for me, there's been many times in my life where I'm like, well, I've prayed, and God didn't do what I asked, so I guess I'm just in this by myself. And then that that's just where it goes. And then I just try to cope and figure it out and fail miserably and get hurt, and then distance with God occurs. That's a familiar pattern, I think, for many of us. So, yeah, how does this influence how we, how we battle and face our battles? I, I would say one way for us to look at this is understanding the friendship of God. Uh, a couple weeks ago uh, in, in the book, in Sinu Yezu, mm-hmm. there's this, there was this great line, um, and it speaks about, in this, Jesus is speaking to this, this Benedictine monk about priesthood, but I'll, I'll, I'll change it so it speaks to just us, not just priests. But he says, the holiness of a person is my life in him. The duties of the sacred ministry are sanctifying, but they are not enough. There must be in every person a willingness, a desire to grow in my friendship, to abide in my presence, to surrender to my transforming love in silence and in repose before my face. Hmm. And so in this, kind of addressing what you were asking there, Heather, when what happens when we are in the midst of a place of true suffering, difficulty, silence on God's end. This is why I speak so much about the will. How are you going to respond and to whom? But it's good to have something concrete to be looking at that whom. is This Mm -hmm. is Jesus who calls me friend. This is a Lord who allowed his heart to be pierced and spilled out in divine mercies into an endless access to an endless reservoir of grace and love and beauty and joy and friendship that in those difficult places, 
I turn to my friend. Mm. Because what happens sometimes if we even talk to a friend in a problem, we know that that friend maybe can't take away our cancer, can't take away the learning disability of our child. That friend can't fix the broken marriage. That friend can't solve all the financial problems are being faced. But in that love, that connection of heart to heart, we are in communio, coming back to my first point. Mm -hmm. So in these times of difficulty, it's having that understanding, that face of God, that Eucharistic face, whether it's because we can be with him at mass or even looking upon a crucifix or an image. This is Christ, my friend, my deep, intimate, loving, passionate friend who pursues me and pursues me and pursues me. And in that, that, that stirring of right holy love, it's like, I want to be a friend to him. Mm -hmm. So maybe in this is that that place I have to commune with Jesus is I have to commune with him in the silence of his cell underneath Caiaphas's house, alone in the dark by himself. Mm. That my friendships, I will engage with him because that's where Jesus is right mm. now. And if that's where I am, Jesus knows how to be with me in that. Mm. Or if it's carrying the cross or encountering mm. the suffering of another, like all of those, those realities is God who calls me friend is intimately engaged with me right now. Mm. And that's, that's where the people want to overemphasize Sometimes the spiritual battle in regards to binding prayers and um, medals and images. And it, it's so important to come down to the context of this God as tender father, savior friend, and mm. intercessory defender of the spirit. Mm. And that's where you hold. I love what you said because it is intimate. And just during this quarantine time, the Lord has just had me like in the garden. Like I am in either in Eden and Genesis or Song of Songs. Like it is one or the other. And when I was praying with Genesis yesterday, I was back to the part, you know, where with Eve and the snake, which you so beautifully, you know, said in the previous podcast, don't talk to the snake. But after the whole apple ordeal. And uh, when God, the father says, where are you? And it just hit me in a profound different way that it wasn't a question of moral punishment. Like, where are you? Like, what have you done? It was, it wasn't a question of breaking moral rules. It was a question of breaking relationships. Like the father was saying with the heart, like he was heart sick. Like, where are you? You know, like I've created you and I loved you. Where are you? And he asked that question to us every day. Like, where are you? Are you with me? Because I'm here. I'm waiting. Are you with me? You know, and just going back to the bride and song of songs, you know, how the bridegroom longs for her, you know, and at times the bride gives him the Heisman. <laughs> like she just totally pushes him away and he is lavishing her with this intimacy and this tenderness. And I just even see like that, even like in aspects of my own marriage, like when, you know, like there's this intimacy that almost makes it so close, like at the times that the Lord has been calling us into that it makes me like, like, oh my gosh, can I do this? Can I be this seen and this known? And will I survive that gaze? Like, because it feels so foreign to us yet. That's what our heart longs for. You know, and I realize that the garden, we're not trying to fight our way back into the garden. We start in the garden. Mm -hmm. you know? Something, if you've been to the Holy Land, you'll know this. No, but... I haven't been, but go ahead. <laughs> Just rub it in. Rub it Bethany in. Bethany <laughs> and Gethsemane, they're, this, they're on the same mountain. 
One side's Bethany, where this is where Jesus had, he expressed the deepest warmth of friendship with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And you crest, you pop over the other side, that's where the Mount of Olives is. And at the bottom of that is the Garden of Gethsemane. It's the same mountain. Mm. And you have to look at what kind of communion did Jesus have? He had this communion of, of incredible fraternity and warmth and beauty with his friends in Bethany. But then he has the communion of, of the silence of Gethsemane with the Father. But it's the same mountain. Mm. You know, sometimes in this, as we're looking at the suffering, is it, it's just the same mountain, but we're on a different side. Mm. Friendship with, with God means that we're willing to be in relationship on both sides of the mountain. Father, I love that. And we've been talking about, um, just in some of our recent podcasts, about just the areas of, well, we, I think we do a lot, about where love heals. And, you know, it's, it's said that nobody has ever shamed or condemned into a conversion. <laughs> you know, it's through, it's through love and kindness that we're brought into to conversion. You know, it's, it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. And I know Dr. Dan Allender, who's a foremost expert, a psychologist on the area, especially healing from trauma, he says it's really kindness that interrupts the cycle of self-loathing. It's kindness that interrupts the cycle mm-hmm. of addiction and hatred and bitterness. He's like, it's this gratuitous, beautiful kindness. And I, I'm wondering if you'd be willing just to share with our listeners, if there's a, is there a, a story or a memory or a wound in your life that you've had Christ as your friend, Christ as the one who is kind and respectful and gentle and the speaker of truth and love, where he's come into your, he's climbed into your cell and has brought communion there where before it was isolation and shame. Do you, I mean, do you have a, something you can think of or maybe we'd be willing to share with our listeners about that? My entire life. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, have, I have to preface this so I can get into it. Um, part of it's my personality. Bear with me. But, you know, there's these objective sacramental moments where God bound himself to me and me to him, recognizing it's not just those sacramental realities, those ministerial things that I have received or that I can confer, but it's the friendship in there. I, I was looking back at all these moments where God brought healing and all of those were an exhibition of God's friendship to me. And even in this, as I look at it, God shares his friends with me. So I'm looking at particular things in my life. I mean, I remember when I was going through some profound healing of my, of these wounds that were obstacle to my freedom to be ordained. When God spoke so deeply into those lies and just revealed his, his tender love. I remember one time I was struggling heavily with my, what I perceived as my my weaknesses, where I felt like a little whiny, graspy kid. And I hated feeling that in my life because it usually was a moment where I needed to be mature or responsible. And all I felt was this, like this little version of me trying to run everything. And I didn't want to listen to them. I didn't want to hear them. I just wanted to punish them and punish that part of myself. It was in the context of this where I was wrestling with that, knowing that I could not be I couldn't be separated from that part of my life. And God revealed why he loved those parts of me. Mm. And I can't get super specific because it was mystical. It was a type of mystical understanding of how he, I mean, it was very rational, Mm. very reasoned and very clear of why he loved those parts. And there was just, he wasn't triggered by them. And what shifted in me was this, like, the, this possibility where, like, oh, I need to love those parts of me or that myself like he does. 
I, I can't hate myself like that. If he rationally loves me for these reasons. And there was this healing that all of a sudden I knew I needed to love those parts of myself as he loved them. Mm. And as I said, it's, it, it was a mystical moment where it was just, it was, I, I knew rationally why he loved them. And I, I lined my will. I was like, I will love my, those parts like you do. And what happened in this was this remembering within myself. And we use that word remember. It means to be a member of again. Mm -hmm. So that which was pulled apart, that's what lie does. It separates us from being in a relationship or communion. Well, he allowed me by grace to be remembered into myself. And I could, I could just see how the light of God's love couldn't be denied there. And Mm. I could even in this right way, I could champion myself. I will not allow myself to shame myself there. I would not allow myself to become the accuser to those parts of me. Mm-hmm. When that shift happened, mm-hmm. all the whining went away, all the grasping went away, mm-hmm. and I didn't have to overcompensate within myself against that. I could, I could just recognize all of a sudden it's, it's a nice little barometer that something tender is getting stirred up, and I could listen to the voices. I'm like, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I could listen And I could keep Mm -hmm. my face turned toward the Lord who loves me. I could be self-protective, not in a way apart from God, but with God, that I could cooperate with how he loves me. Mm. So as I was looking at all this and looking at all these moments of friendship, you know, there's that type of love that a parent has for their child. And as a child matures, they go from being a kid to more of an adult. And you have a, it shifts the type of relationship you have. And there's a friendship Mm -hmm. that's there. Yeah, I think often when we experience the truth of God's love being spoken into the deep places, like it heals, it restores, like God's truth, like you said, sister, it's not shaming and condemning, but it brings to light things that he wants to heal and restore so that we can become more fully human, more fully who we are meant to be. And, and I found for me personally, like it's my agreement with that truth of whatever God reveals in in my past or in in the lies that are spoken in my life, it's my agreement in that moment when it comes to light, but also going forward, making a daily agreement, sometimes moment by moment. I'm, I'm just going to agree with the truth. I'm going to hold fast to the truth and believe this. Um, I think that's what it means to really live in victory you know, in a practical way, because many of us are just swept up into, we don't even know what's going on. We're just, we're just going through our day and we're getting taken out moment by moment where God is saying, no, you, you can choose right now to live in my victory because I've already won the battle. I'm not still battling. We're not trying to figure out who's going to win in the end. It's not touch and go like I've already won and you can rest in my victory. So even though we are still battling and we have battles to face, if we join ourselves to the victory of Jesus, that changes everything. So father, one of the questions that I have for you is how do we take authority in our life? Like that kind of authority, many of us don't even know how to take the authority of the victory of Jesus and then apply it to the everyday situation. So for us as lady, what, what would you say to that? Well, I, I want to start with another quote from Insinu Yezu that Jesus speaks to the priest. How do we do this? How do we live in this authority? And Jesus says this to him, I leave you free. You need not do anything. Mm. You need not say anything. All I desire is that you should be present, focused on my presence, and allowing me 
to act in your soul, mm-hmm. end quote. So a lot of times we say is using our authority is we got to live in freedom. And that freedom is mm-hmm. comes back to Christ has done everything to set me free. Divine Mercy Sunday, which we just celebrated. I don't mean to mess up your calendar in case what this is coming out, but when we're recording this, it was just previous. But the the extraordinary graces of Divine Mercy Sunday is that he offers us this ability to receive a grace that's even different than these plenary indulgences, uh, where that even it doesn't demand a detachment from sin, which is kind of a radical movement of grace. And it's problematic for certain people. I get it. But ultimately, it says is you can receive this superabundance of the outpouring of the grace of Jesus from his most sacred heart, this divine mercy, if you desire the gift, will trust in the gift, okay, mm-hmm. that you're in a state of grace and you receive Holy Communion. Now, as was taught well by uh, Father, I think it was Father Gately, and his his reflection on this is like, but even in this time of social isolation, you can make, as a catechism teaches, uh, a review, an examination of conscience, and you can make your confession. Okay, and we got to start here. Sin binds us into a cell of isolation, and so confession comes down to that sense: is okay. We have to make sure the objective things of sin are removed. The next part, receiving communion, which we can even do spiritually. And St. Thomas Aquinas spoke about the authority and the power in that. He who wrote all of the great hymns about the Eucharist, he talked about there's a legitimate way that spiritually you communion with God because it speaks of, you know, at the heart of the Eucharist is a relationship, okay? And then in a sense, desiring the gift and being willing to receive it. Now, this is where I want to focus, Heather, your question here. That's where I was struggling. Because this extraordinary gift of grace that poured out saying is a word move all eternal and temporal effects of sin, meaning what? Eternal effect of sin, which is separation from God and hell. Temporal effects is anything we'd have to work out in purgatory. Mm-hmm. And this is all of a sudden I had to, I had to like, will I let God love me that way? Mm, that's a good question. I was struggling hard. I was bumping up against things within me. Like, will I let myself get love there? Mm-hmm. Can I allow God to love me there? Where I want to judge myself, where I need to punish myself because God's not doing it for me, wherein I have to live like an accuser or an accused versus the one standing there like like the good soldier who's, I can't remember his name now, who's being immersed in the waterfall of divine mercy pouring out of Jesus's heart that he just pierced with that lance. So with this, and like, how do we take authority? Guys, it's, if we just want a really simple thing, it's we have to wrestle with the lie. And I don't mean that, that the focus is on the lie, that there was part of me that said, I part of me didn't want to trust that his mercy was that available and that free. That was that easy. Mm. And so, so I was listening to that, but then I turned and the, the part that I was focusing on is if that's how you want to love me, God, I can't deny you that. Mm. So if that's how you want to love me, you will love me on your terms and I will align myself with how you love me. And taking that authority is no matter how weak and how imperfect the act is, we turn ourselves. To look upon those eyes of loving friendship that God has upon us. 
And we may get to hold it for a microsecond and then we're pulled back to the obstacle. What's God doing there? We're going to take care of that. So see that? That's there. Now, which one are you going to turn to? Which one are you going to listen to? Oh, I don't know if I want to. That's just too much mercy. <laughs> I mean, really? Can, that sounds like superstition. It was. It was like, oh, that sounds superstitious. That just sounds crazy. You yeah. know, and, mm-hmm. and then – but I'd have to, no, I will trust in that super abundant gift of your mercy. And so what I had to do is keep aligning myself. And then there comes a point where it goes from, I have to engage in that, that back and forth to a point where I'm like, and discussion's over. I won't go back to hear the accusation. I won't go back to turn to the lie. There's a, comes a point where if the lie is like, you have an issue with this, it's not with me, it's with Jesus. So you're going to talk to him. You're not talking to me anymore. There's a lot of free will involved in in these things. And I think uh, sometimes we get the impression, I'm glad you mentioned the word superstition. Sometimes we treat things like that. Like if I pray this way, this many times, this blah, 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 then God's going to come through. And we're not looking at it in the light of friendship. We're looking at it in the light of if I do my part, then you do your part, God. Um, at the same time, there are beautiful prayers and be- beautiful novenas and things that we do that do have power and grace that that God is using these as a as an avenue to to give to us everything that we desire. And so as we pray, I think what you said is key. You know, we, it has to be in the light of friendship. We need to make decisions with our free will, you know, to believe the truth and and at some point we have to stop having that conversation with the enemy or with the accusation or with the lie in our life. And that's a beautiful piece. We have to look at as well, though, in that is what tools do we need to do mm-hmm. that? Because sometimes that's going to be counseling because mm-hmm. we have to deal with the lie-based behavior or self-defeating behavior that comes from trauma mm-hmm. and abuse. We might have to deal with the psychological effects that come with addiction. So in this, we have to, the friendship of God is imbued in creation itself. The Lord made the world and the universe beautiful as a gift to give to his friend, you. All of this is this, this idea of the right free wills in it. But in the spiritual battle, people want to overplay one or other often. This is where we end up in error, that mm-hmm. it needs to be all in natural sciences or all in the supernatural sciences. Mm-hmm. Meaning, like I talked to you guys before, it's all demons or it's all just psychological trauma. Mm-hmm. So often it's both and. Mm-hmm. And so how mm-hmm. can we engage in the kindness of God where he gives us the the means of remedy and healing and freedom, both through the victory on Calvary and the cross, okay? As well as understanding how the brain works in trauma. Mm -hmm. And now we know psychologically how to retrain the brain to think differently. All of that is good. And when we overplay one or the other, it usually leads us to a place of grasping where we're losing, Heather, our freedom. I want this thing outside to fix this in here versus... Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what? God's bigger than me. I'll give my little act of the will and trust with his providence to engage in this psychological work, in this spiritual work, in this loving my difficult child or loving my difficult pastor or whatever the mean is. And we just give that little piece. We engage in our freedom and we don't take issue with God if he doesn't mm-hmm. make it easy and perfect immediately. And I really do believe that we step in the greatness of who we are when we recognize how little we are. Mm -hmm. Like, sister, you and I have often talked about this image of like hiding in the 
garments of God, mm-hmm. you know, or in Our Lady, mm-hmm. where there's just a littleness about, I know that I am within their protection mm-hmm. and I don't want to go too far away from, mm-hmm. from them. I want to stay right next to them. Mm-hmm. And it's there that, I, that my, my greatness is able to come out. It's because yeah. I'm dependent on them. It's their greatness, really, that is coming through. And um, anyway, sister, I'd love to hear some of your thoughts right now. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think the poverty that we have is going to be one of the greatest gifts we've ever received from the Lord. <laughs> you know, Amen. where we, like St. Paul, like this has been an angel of Satan in a sense that it was given to beat me. And I, I've asked the Lord, you know, take this from me. And how many of us have places in our lives where we're like, Lord, I've asked you to take this from me. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you. And it's, you know, it's the first step of any recovery program. Admit that I have a problem and that a higher power, like I can't mm-hmm. do this. And so when we start to try to manage these parts of our life and our story, you know, uh, that's when we you know we have these immense, in a sense, struggles. And I was just talking to somebody, you know, recently about, you know, the, the story from the Narnia series, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, where Eustace tries in vain to scratch off his own dragon skin. Oh, it's my favorite. And, he, and it's just so mm-hmm. all of us, you know, mm-hmm. these little places like Father was talking about, mm-hmm. the places that we want to judge ourselves, the places where we hate ourselves, the places where we're so... You know, just seeing my own soul of somebody that was struggling with, I saw their struggle in me. <laughs> and I'm like, no wonder why I didn't. They were yeah. irritating me because I, it was me. I could see myself. And, mm. you know, where Eustace mm. can't realizes that he cannot scratch off the dragon skin. And, and where it's where Aslan gently approaches him and he says to him, You will have to let me undress you. And it's only then, mm. through that transformation, which was very painful, does Aslan take him and throw him in the pool and he's completely healed and he's a boy again. Right. And I just think like in our journey, mm-hmm. I, you know, that's been a huge place of just my own areas of self-protection or, or just areas of pride where, you know, the Lord is just showing me these immense places of poverty and just to sit and I'm like, I, gosh, I just can't do a darn thing about this. <laughs> you know, and I'm, I'm going to use my tools. I'm mm-hmm. doing what I can. But in the end, this is an impoverished place in me, Jesus, and you love it. And you're not like, like Father Justin said, you're not triggered by it. I am, but you're not, mm-hmm. which means that you're going to do things that I cannot do for myself. And amen. And, and not only is he not triggered by it, he's not disgusted by Amen. it. Amen, yes. He's not overwhelmed by it. Yeah. He actually welcomes it. And I was actually wrote in my journal this morning, sister, I said, how I was like, I feel so comfortable in my spiritual poverty and littleness because I have never felt your overwhelming presence mm-hmm. so close. But it wasn't until I became okay in my littleness and my brokenness that I could feel his presence. Like, you know. Like, um, you know, where sin abounds, love abounds even more. And his love is abounding. It is the receptivity he's asking. Just open your hands, open your hearts just a little Mm -hmm. bit more to receive, you know. Um, And it's just such a welcoming gaze. I know I've said this to you before, but like, I really love how they portrayed Jesus in that series, Mm -hmm. The Chosen. And there's a scene between him and Peter's wife, Eden. And like knowing that Peter is going to be leaving and going and Jesus looks at her and goes, I see you. And I mean, it is like, like I couldn't even handle it. The way he looks at her and goes, I see you and your sacrifice doesn't go unnoticed. So when you're here all alone, I see you. And I'm, I mean, it is just, I'm here for you. And just the way he looks at her and she receives him. It's like this just beautiful exchange because even his gaze upon her, it's like he sees her hardness, the sacrifices that she makes, and and he goes, and he says something to her, he says, thank you for seeing in Peter the kind of man we always knew he was, truly. She goes, you (laughs) saw it. He goes, you saw it in him first. And there was just this, you know, but I'm like, oh, I love how they portray him because he's so just 
good, you know, and approachable and tender and kind. And that's the kind of Jesus that calls us to friendship, like mm-hmm. you said, Father. Yeah, and yeah. He's, he draws close to the brokenhearted. He is the friend of the weak. He's the friend mm-hmm. of the sinner. These are all things that we hear, but we don't let that sink into, that means me. But that actually applies to me, not just everybody else who's a sinner or any, mm-hmm. everybody else that's weak, but it's me and my weakness. And that's actually going to be the vehicle that God wants to use to bring about something great. It's who He is. This is the story of the resurrection that should mean everything to us. It's our reason to hope is that He took something so horrible and made it into something beautiful and that that is what He is doing and wants to continue to do in our hearts. Well, dear friends, shall we jump into our one things for the week, uh, for this still in the Easter season? So, Michelle, did you want to share your one things, <clears throat> plural, with the audience? Or, you know? um, actually, I think my one thing right now is just beautiful mm-hmm. weather and walks. Like, that is really what's saving my life. I've probably gone on three or four walks um, a day. And so I'm just going to show our listeners a couple Mm. of pictures around the hood for our walks. Like I take a picture of flowers in my neighbor's garden and the water. I walk to the water every single day because, um, I was actually thinking this morning, my kids did something to my Spotify playlist and I couldn't undo it to get off of Lily's playlist, my youngest daughters. So literally I get to the water and Moana was playing, you know, I keep by <laughs> the water. I'm go? like, all right, Laura, this is prophetic. <laughs> like I have prophetic Disney princesses going on here. And I'm like, you know, I, I keep coming back to the water. Like you're right every single day. So that is my one thing. Yeah. Heather, what about you? Well, in light of the Easter celebrating, which we get to celebrate for quite some time. Thank you that we're Catholic. Thank you, God. Uh, Mm -hmm. I came across a recipe from one of our local bake shops for the best dang sticky buns that we have ever had. Is that the picture you sent us yesterday? Yes, yes. My son Judah and I made some yesterday and they are not for the faint of heart. Okay, it's going to take some time, but so worth it. They are so good. I'm going to put it all in there. You're going to feel like a million bucks when you make them. Your (laughs) hips might not after, but... (laughs) I feel like a million pounds. It's all good. (laughs) My friend used to say, moment on the lips, lifetime on the hips. That might happen, (laughs) but so good. Father Justin, what about you? Aside from your mustache, of course. My mustache, it's like playing dress up as a man. But, you know, in some ways, (laughs) like you get to keep it for a while. And like, I don't allow myself to generally have this as a priest because it just doesn't look super pro, even though it's impressive. So because we're in lockdown, I get to play dress up for a couple of weeks. It's really, it's a really great gift. And every time I look at myself in the mirror, I'm just like, that's fun. So there's something on that. The other thing is the communal that I have come to understand in isolation yeah, that's going to be so important because it has brought me to the the foundations of what Eucharist is and what confession is and what relationship with my parish is and the universal church. Um, so that when I have these things that are written into the natural order that present those fully like Holy Communion or that, I mean, I haven't been denied Eucharist like my flock, but in this of understanding that whole reality underneath there of how intimately I'm connected in that and staying there. Right. So that's been a super gift. All right, sister, bring us bring us home in a beautiful way. 
Well, I'll I'll share my garden with y'all. I'll share with you the the beginning, what it looked like, and the part where I thought we we're gonna find a dead body in the middle of it. All kinds, all kinds of good cockroach <laughs> calling on my arm, being eaten by fire ants, all kinds of beautiful things, people. Um, but uh, I'll send you some pictures and just yeah, the beauty of life and just and it just the main. I've learned so much about restoring this garden. I, I know these are lessons that God is going to continue to pour out, but I've learned so hmm. much about the restoration of the soul from doing this garden. So I will share that with all of our listeners. So. Happy Easter, y'all. We just pray this week that you would find a place and a daily moment to turn your face toward the heart of the one who loves you, your friend, right? the one who pursues you, who sees you, and who brings you every moment into his communion. And Father Justin, could you give us a blessing to close us out? Absolutely. May the living light of the victory of Jesus Christ risen from the dead be within you and before you, above you, below you, to your right to your left, to your front, and to your back. That may illumine every part of your life, filling you with grace. That leads you to live in the friendship of God and to offer that perfume of friendship to your families, your vocations, and all whom you encounter. May Almighty God powerfully resurrect you. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Father. And until next week, we will be abiding together. God bless y'all. If our podcast has blessed you, would you please consider financially supporting Abiding Together via Patreon? Patreon is a website where people can make donations to help keep the podcast going. And now that we at Abiding Together have an independent platform, we have a number of costs that go into creating the podcast and the high quality content we offer, such as our website, design, tech support, staff, and other elements. Having an independent platform also allows us to explore and create new content for all of our listeners to enjoy. So thank you so much to all of you who are already donors. When you donate through our page on Patreon, you are able to donate any amount, $1 a month, $5 a month, $500 a month, or just a one-time offering. Abiding Together is a registered 501c3 nonprofit organization, and donations are tax-deductible. So would you please prayerfully consider giving to Abiding Together? If you donate $15 or more per month, you become a tribe member, and you will receive a short individual video from Michelle, Heather, and I each month about a variety of topics. You can see all of the information on our Patreon page, which is patreon.com forward slash abiding together podcast. So consider becoming a supporting member today and help us further the work of the Holy Spirit moving in and through this community. Together, we can do amazing things. We are so grateful for your support and may God bless you. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked it, would you please share it with a friend? Could you also leave us a rating and a review on iTunes? That helps us get the message out to as many people as possible. All the show notes are in your podcast app, but if you'd like them emailed to you, you can go to our website at abidingtogetherpodcast.com and subscribe. On our website, you will also find all of our past episodes and information about various episodes. You can also join our private Facebook group and get in on the discussion and all the beautiful things that are happening there. We are so glad that you are on the journey with us. And until next week, we'll be abiding together. God bless you.